Welcome to Stumps. VB Cricket Update. Victoria Bitter for a hard-earned thirst. It is time now for one of our great Victoria Bitter cricketing moments. Victoria Bitter celebrates the greatest moments in cricket history with 10 limited edition cans this summer. And you can head into your nearest bottle shops, supermarkets and pick up the Victoria Bitter range and check out the 10 great moments. And we're going to bring you those across the course of Stumps and have a lot of fun in doing so. Speak to some of the biggest names in the game that contributed to those moments. And tonight we reflect back on a moment when Australia was still smarting from the pain of the 2005 Ashes, as we said, a memorable and brilliant series, but Australia on the wrong end of it. They came back with a vengeance two years later. That was the third test at the Wacker in which Australia took a 3-0 series lead, regained the Ashes. They went on to sweep England 5-zip. Justin Langer, uh, part of, uh, I guess, a farewell tour for so many of the great Australian players at that time, and, and what a way to do it. He joins us. Justin, thanks for your time. Uh, pleasure, guys. Great to be here. Uh, mate, great to have you on the show, JL. Now, got a quick one for you. After the, the 2005, before we get into the heroics of um, 06, 07, after the 2005, the last test there, there seemed to be a steely resolve within the team that next time Australia came up against England, um, England were going to hurt. Yeah, no doubt. I still remember standing on the oval dressing room or the viewing area, Mervyn, it, it did hurt. They had the streamers and the red and white and blue banners and streamers and oh, it was unbelievable. It hurt. I mean, we had such a great team and I remember a couple of them. I remember coming back on the flight home and we were sort of all got together out the back on the plane and I remember saying John Buchanan and Tim Nielsen that, you know, we just felt that they'd let it, let it, let us go a bit. You know, we'd been successful. They let all the players do their own thing and um, just felt we needed a bit more structure. And at our first training session back in Sydney, I just remember it was absolutely electric. The boys were firing. We had plenty to gain, and uh, things went from strength to strength from there. So we rolled the clock forward a couple of years. The first test at the Gabba, um, probably remembered for all the hmm. wrong reasons, the first ball of the test match. Were you on strike for that one? <laughs> I was. I, I always compare that hmm. ball. That, that when we lost in 2005, the very first ball, Harmison ran in, same bowler at Lord's, he ran, it flew past my nose. And I remember um, Geraint Jones took it over his head. And then all the palms, like Bat Pad was walking towards me. Gully was walking towards me. They were all, and, and Hados walked down and said, mate, boys mean business. I said, yeah, 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 they mean business. And then we fast forward a couple of years. Harmison, same bowler, same batter, most of the same fielders. Bowler, I think it went to first or second slip. Well, second and I, slip, yeah. <laughs> second slip. And I remember looking up at Hados and they were all looking at their toes. You know, so the amazing the difference in attitude and mindset in 2005 they're really up for it uh, and 2007 oof, it just felt a lot different well the, the gabba was a well the gabba was a great win the adelaide win that second test um last day i think everyone rolled up to to the game just expecting it to be a draw um can you remember uh the the rooms before the the or going onto the ground on the last day, what was the mood like? Because my my memory of that was um, England thought it was going to be a draw, and I just said the Australian players will be hell-bent on winning this. So when one team goes with the attitude of a draw and the other team goes with the attitude of a win, it can make a huge difference. I actually remember day two, the change room, and what happened is that England had got 500 and something. They had a huge score, and 
the morning of day two, and John Buchanan kept saying, boys, come on, pick it up. Alfie, Alfie, you reckon we're going to win this or what? And I was going, oh, yeah, and I'd been out the night before, so I was a bit down the dump. <laughs> but, but, but punter, I remember, you know, you sort of sit down there in the Adelaide Oval Nets, and I remember punter walked into the Nets, and he was in, not out at the time. He goes, boys, there's not a single person in this world who thinks we can win this test match. Let's have a, Let's see about that, eh? And then he went out and got that unbelievable hundred. And then all of a sudden, the captains walk on the talk. And we got to the last day. And then we say, you know, you don't win those tests without Shane Warne. He was unbelievable. I think Strauss, he got a pretty ordinary decision. Um, we got, I think, we got a run out. Uh, then Warney got uh, Peterson out. And it was all on. And then we had to get, I can't remember, what was 140 or 150 to win. It was like a miracle match and one that I'll never, ever forget. Well, my memory of that test was a Glenn McGrath catch at, at Deep Backward Square. <laughs> well, the fact he caught it would have been a miracle. <laughs> well, he, he dived out right-handed. and he come up in his left hand, and you, you're sort of sitting there scratching your head, and um, like you, you just sort of sit there and think, gee, things are going Australia's way. It was Michael Vaughan, wasn't it? Um, yeah. In that test, so, yeah. No, it's the fact that those are the things went our way, then... To win it like we did, it was a really important moment for the series as well because I think England thought, well, if we can't win from this position or we can't draw from this position, we're cooked. And we thought if we can win from this position, when they've got 550 or 600, then we can win from anywhere and we ended up doing that. Just a quick one on the reverse swing aspect. Obviously, in 05, England used that so well with Flintoff and, and Jones. Conditions different in Australia, and Simon Jones obviously never played again after the 05 Ashes, which was a real shame with those ankle injuries. But they really did seem to lose that, that potency that they had where they were able to, uh, to swing the ball uh, with such effect in, in England in 05. Yeah, a lot of people talk about that. But the other thing that they forget about, well, a couple of things. We obviously lost McGrath. We yeah. had a few of our great players struggling for the first time ever. But what, what a lot of people forget about that series is their batters batted so well. So every time we went out to bat, you know, we had a lot of scoreboard pressure on us. They were scoring 400, 450 every time they batted in the first inning. So then you're always under pressure. And um, they then had time to, to put pressure on them. That's when the ball started reverse swinging a bit. So they, they played really good cricket. And we, for the first time in a long time, a lot of our players were down a bit. Well, of, of Jones and Flintoff, Jones in that 2005 series, I reckon he was near unplayable, and Flintoff was at his peak, and um, we rolled the clock forward, and, and Flintoff came over with an ankle injury. He went from as bowling captain, about, too, yeah. Yeah, as captain, went, went from bowling about um, from 150 to about 135. So obviously he wasn't hitting the batters hard. Um, can you can you remember um, any thoughts of the English team after the the two Test match and, and the difference, or was it just let's keep rolling, boys? No, just more mindset, Merv. From 2005 to 2007, they were leading up to that series. They were flying too. They'd won a lot of cricket. Uh, they had a good core of senior players, Michael Vaughan and Tress Gothic, and uh, they had some good. Flintoff was, you know, he was the the king of the world at that time. So um, they had some really good senior players. They were in good nick. While we were winning, we were probably got a bit complacent. We'd won 16, or we'd won a lot of test matches, and maybe we got a bit complacent with it all. So. That's all I could think about. Um, that's why it was such a such an arm wrestle. Whereas 2007, we were they could have bought both them, Bobby Willis, <laughs> David Gow. They could have bought everyone. We were so switched on. You had that boot camp, the famous boot camp <laughs> leading into it. <laughs> we were so switched on that we. Uh, could have taken on the rest of the world, I reckon. Uh, well, we moved from, from Adelaide to Perth, 
And um, my everlasting memory was uh, that, that hundred that Gilly got, um, just sitting there <laughs> watching him go Coco Cabana. Uh, it was unbelievable. But um, what were your memories of that game? Oh, I remember that. I remember Gilly turning up and Flintoff had been all over him. So, And then I think the first or second ball he's have played one like the same sort of shot that Flintoff and he nicked it between third and gully. And then he just, mate, it was unbelievable. I remember sitting there, Haydos and I used to sit together in the change room. And after, when the innings uh, punter declared, Haydos said, can you believe what you've just seen there? <laughs> it, was un, it was unbelievable. And, and that, what that meant was it, it just accelerated the game. All of a sudden, I think then Andrew Strauss was out first ball or the first over because we were able to declare a bit earlier. And yeah, that, that was Adam Gilchrist at his absolute best. And then, of course, we got down to the, they were nine down at lunch or tea and we'd been, we were like little kids at Christmas about to win the Ashes back. And I'll never forget Punner calling us all in and he said, boys, I want us to be humble in victory. And I remember looking at him going, mate, kid from, Lon- <laughs> kid from Launceston's turned to Winston Churchill. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I must admit, if Warney had have said that, we would have gone, yeah, yeah, whatever, mate, yeah, good on you. <laughs> but with um, but with Punner, who's one of the best blokes and one of the great leaders and most humble blokes you ever meet, saying it because he said, "Remember, when we got started this series, we wanted to beat these guys five nil. Have we'll have a good time tonight. We'll enjoy it. Enjoy winning the Ashes, but still stay humble. We've got a bit of work to do." So, and then we had Monty Panasar. We got Panasar out, and that was the Ashes back, which was a great feeling. Well, ten days it took you to win the Ashes back. <laughs> um, so it was, it was a, from there you head to the MCG. Um, had, a, had another convincing win there. Um, my my memory of that is just 700 wickets and probably the attitude in the game after it. When the, when the boys got into the circle to sing the song, um, yeah. there was no real over-the-top celebration because it, it it was it was virtually unspoken that the job hasn't been comp- completed yet. Well, the funny thing is that I was the song master, Merv, <laughs> and that partic- what I remember most about that test match was I sat with our old mate, Booney, uh, on about day five, halfway through the, during the last day, I said, oh, Booney, mate, well, tell me about this thing about retirement. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, retiring. He goes, is it on your mind, son? And I said, oh, a little bit. He says, well, I'll give, you, I'll give you some advice. You're a lot closer to retiring than you think you are. If it's on your mind at all, and I had to sing the song that night, I still remember it was the, it was the catalyst behind my retirement, besides Booney's advice. I remember we had to sing the song... Um, and I was there going, mate, I'd almost rather be back in the hotel with my kids. And that right. was a bad one because I used to love celebrating <laughs> yeah. and singing the song as much as anyone. So maybe that's why it was a bit flat that night, Merv, because the songmaster was a bit <laughs> flat and ready to retire. Yeah, but uh, it wasn't just you. I, I reckon it was everyone. It was just, um, I remember being in the rooms and there was there was no sort of throwing a beer. There was no real big celebration. It was like, mm. um, okay, we're 4-0 up, but we haven't completed what we set out to complete. Yeah, it was a big, honestly, it was a big, I know uh, Glenn McGrath used to cop a lot of flack from people when he said, oh, we're going to win 5-0. And, we, you know, you and I both know he's one of the greatest jokers, one of the biggest clowns wow. we've ever met in our life. So a bit like yourself. <laughs> um, and when he used to say, people used to take it all seriously. But when we actually, we almost looked at each other in the eyes before the series and said, how about, you know, what about that for an idea? Imagine just flogging them and beating them 5-0. So... Um, there was some real steely resolve about that, and for us to do that, and then you know, two of the all-time greats in um, Warney and McGrath retiring was a 
very, very fitting way after Damien Martin had retired during the series. Yeah, so after the Adelaide Test match, yeah, wasn't it, it? It might be, a, um, I guess, a strange one given how competitive the Ashes always are, but I always felt from the outside looking at the 05 series that the camaraderie between both sides seemed to be the closest I could recall. Between For such a competitive series, the respect between both sides seemed to be enormous. Obviously, you put them to the sword completely in you know, 6.07, but it does look like for such a hard-fought uh, period of time that the two sides had a, a pretty pretty strong mutual respect and relationship. Yeah, I think the respect... One of the funniest things that happened was after the Adelaide Test match, Flintoff, James Anderson and Harmison came into the change and had a beer. It was the same night, the same night, um, Marto decided to pull the pin. But and by the time it would have been midnight, I reckon, when it started, right, boys, you got your baggy green caps and you got Johnny Williamson on, and uh, Flintoff and Harmison and, and Anderson, and they're going, no, no, we want to sing the song with you. We've heard about it. We want to. Come, what are you talking about? You're the England captain, mate. You can't sing our victory song with us. So I, I got great pleasure in being able to, because Flintoff used to absolutely haunt me as a bowler. Like, he was scary to face. So, it was, so I had great pleasure being the one who had to kick him out of the change room. But um, I remember them wanting to sing the song, and I, I felt that a bit, uh, mm. bit strange. But looking back on it, it probably turns into a reasonably funny story. Uh, well, it's interesting one. I, forgot, I, I had the note down that Marto retired after Adelaide, and we're 3-0 up. We're going to Perth. And I can remember driving, I reckon it was to Ballarat um, for a, a lunch and the side had been picked and it was just about to be released and um, Andrew Hilditch, chairman of selectors, rang me up and said, oh, we've got to reconvene, um, we've lost a player. And I thought someone's got injured. And yeah. we all got on the conference call, um, what's happened? Damien Martin's retired. And I nearly ran off the road. And I just thought, what is going on? It's like they've had a great win. They're heading to Perth. Um, he's a Perth player. I just thought, what better way to go? But as you said, if it's on your mind and you're not sure about it, um, you know, it would have been a, a mixed emotion for you singing that song at the MCG. So it was a, an interesting one. But as we said, Warnie's 700th right. wicket, another big win. We move on to, to Sydney. And, and you said um, two greats retired. Well, what about three greats retired, Langer? You've, you've played 105 test matches. You, you're up there when they talk about um, sides of the centuries and, and best sides of all time. So if you're not going to put yourself in, cat, in that category, young man, I'm going to. Truth is, I was, I, I was embarrassed. And this is, I promise you, I was embarrassed about retiring that game because warning, and I thought, mate, I'm not in, oh, obviously not in their league, but... And I had to ring an old mate of mine, Alan Jones. I said, mate, I don't know what to do here. I know I've got to retire, but I can't retire the same day as Warnie and, and Pigeon. He goes, no, no, you've, had it. you've, you've done all right. You've played a few tests. Just go out at the same time. <laughs> played um, so it was, no, it was a nice, it was honestly, it was a nice thing. But go back to uh, Marto for a second. You reckon you were surprised as a selector? He's like my brother. He's like uh, Haydos, Gilly, Ricky Ponting. We are like brothers. And we got to the airport the next day, and we thought he must have missed the plane because we had a massive night after that. Um, yeah, we went back to the hotel after a midnight team song. So we thought he must have just missed the plane. And we thought, oh, he's going to get in a bit of strife here because he's missed the flight. You know, he got a hangover or something. And by the time we got, we'd heard it as well. So we had no idea. We were with him until about 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh. And by nine o'clock the next day, he'd. Ret- I don't know how he did it. Well, so we, you reckon you were surprised? We were absolutely staggered. Well, we we got the report through, and Andrew Hilders, when we got it, it's unconfirmed. And I said, "How can it be unconfirmed?" <laughs> well, we've we've got an email from Damien, and we're not sure whether um, he's been hacked 
or whether it's from him. So it took about, I reckon, an hour and a half to get hold of him to um, to confirm that he had actually retired. So it was gee, it just uh, blew us away. And just a, a final one, uh, Justin, before we let you go. It's been terrific catching up with you to reflect on the series. Uh, obviously, with the, the news coming through that you, you're taking the reins for the 2020 series against Sri Lanka. Did you ever think there'd be a time uh, in cricket where Australia would essentially have two teams playing at the same time? They're going to be in India preparing for that tour and playing Sri Lanka at home. I guess it's the changing times of cricket. Yeah, I certainly didn't. And there's, there's obviously a lot of discussion about cricket internationally and domestically at the moment. But that's, yeah, it's very strange. It's, uh, in a lot of ways, it's, it's quite sad, actually, mm. uh, that there's two Australian teams at one time. Um, that said, we've got a great depth of talent. And on the back of the Big Bash, there'll be some guys in Australian cricket who will be uh, absolutely champing at the bit to, to represent their country in 2020 cricket. So I'm sure there'll be lots of buzz. There'll be lots of atmosphere about those three games. But it certainly is a changing time, and um, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, that remains. But certainly the whole concept of fixturing and scheduling in international cricket is something that should be at the front of mind for everyone involved in the game. It's been great talking to you about the 2006-07 series. Um, good talking to you about the 2020, but also you're, you're involved in domestic cricket, coaching Western Australia. Had a, had a good win over Queensland on on the weekend. How does that? Um, where does that place you guys? And have you been happy with WA's form thus far this year? We've had a shocker, Merv. We've, we've we came into it. I think it was our third game. Hmm. We had 11 guys unavailable for selection. So, you know, the, it's like all the, you know, footy AFL or any of the codes, you're losing your best players to injuries, it hurts. And when you also get a couple of guys playing for Australia, then you certainly get your depth tested. But that's that's OK. It was nice to get a win. It's much more fun winning than losing. <laughs> it mate. certainly you is. Know, it sort of takes a... I've had a headache for about six weeks, so at least my headache subsides a little bit. <laughs> now it's... Um, <laughs> Now uh, it's time for the big bash. It's it's great to get back into that nice time of the year. My kids love it, um, which is a good. So I got four daughters, and they love the big bash. So we all enjoy it, and then we'll come back and roll our sleeves up and have a crack at the Sheffield Shield after that. Well, Victoria, a bit of for a hard-earned thirst, reflecting on a great cricketing moment, the 2006-7 Ashes series, and with 105 tests, seven and a half thousand runs at 45 with 23 centuries. Justin Langer, we can obviously confirm that three legends retired after the Sydney Test. Thanks very much for your uh, for your time on the program. No, any time, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Merv. We'll speak to you soon. Okay, Jay. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Justin Langer there. One of the greats. We'll get to a break and we'll get all the markets after this. Full pitch and bang! Bang, bang, bang! It's gone! You're listening to Stumps.